I'm Dawn Ennis. I'm Carly Chardonnay Webb. And you're in the transporter room. Another week, another COVID-19 crazy quarantine week. How are you holding up there, Carly? I'm actually hold, holding up okay, Dawn. I mean, it's, you know, it's been a siege, but I'll admit, I'm getting a little bit sick of it right now. I mean, I'd like to hurry up and let's start flattening the curve, but some, but certain people just aren't letting that happen. Come on, everybody. Let's, let's do some work on this. Are you jealous of those folks in Texas and Florida and other places? Even Southern California folks are going out and enjoying the beach and the sun and restaurants and tattoo parlors and oh, everywhere. It seems that the world is opening up except here in Connecticut where you and I reside. Well, Southern California, I am a little bit jealous because at least they're putting some regulations behind it. And those regulations are pretty stringent. Uh, as far as places such as Texas, Georgia, Tennessee, no, I'm not. In fact, they're already seeing in Tennessee, they opened up restaurants over the weekend and they've already seen the coronavirus cases skyrocket 300 percent in just three days, in two, three days. I got to say, I think our leadership here in Connecticut is doing an excellent job. I'm a little concerned because there are some doctors now saying that we may not uh, see a uh, downward uh, turn in the curve until June. I'm also worried because they're saying schools may not reopen in the fall. So I've got lots of concerns, but I'm, I'm trusting our government to do the right thing. Because as you know, I am a traditionalist, right, Carly? <laughs> In this case, I think we would be smart to be traditionalist. I mean, better safe than sorry. Uh, I've read a couple columns this week where a number of people are saying the same thing. It's like, even after you open businesses up, it's going to be a couple weeks before I walk in one. Yeah, I think, and some restaurant owners and, and bar owners in those states where they are allowed to open, even movie theaters are saying, you know, not just yet. We're just not ready yet. I agree, but I have some good news to share. Oh, what's the this, good news? No, this morning, is, this, today, our podcast that I'm doing right now, I'm doing it from my newly built podcast studio. Yeah, I'm not holding a mic in my hand anymore. I have a mic boom for my desk now. I look like a professional podcaster. I'm looking the part, and I'm very happy about that. And I have you to thank for the inspiration for doing this. Carly, I'm sorry, we can't hear you. Carly, would you say that again? Carly? Sure. Carly, are you there? Um, Carly, are you there? I'm here. Carly, Carly, are you there? Because we don't hear you in your new podcast studio. (laughs) I'm kidding you. I'm kidding okay. you. No, I'm, no. Gotcha. No, I. <laughs> that was good. That was good. But no, I'm there. No, I'm. I want to. I want to take our pod. Help do my part to take our podcasting up to the next level. And this is a definite part of it because, like I said, I've always been inspired by your own professionalism, by your own, by your own sense of you know, taking things to the next level. So, hey, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be Don Ennis when I grow up. God help us. The world does not need two of me. Um, I will say that one of the things I miss right now, especially is baseball. And you and I got to write about baseball this week in outsports.com. But I wish we had somebody we could talk to who knows a little bit more about baseball and about, oh, just, you know, what we're missing and what, what could be. Who do you think we could get to talk about that? I know somebody we should get set the set the transporter for Halifax, Nova Scotia, Ooh. and a certain blogger for the Toronto Blue Jays. Beam up, AJ Andrews. 
Welcome, AJ, to the transporter room. But it's not snowing here. <laughs> That's awesome. It does, does the snow in Canada, because, you know, my kids uh, have basically tried to convince me that if President Trump gets reelected, we should move to Canada. And I said, I am not moving somewhere where it snows from, uh, you know, October to April. I I used to be able to just say no. It it totally doesn't do that. And then I, I walked out today and looked out the window and it's just like flurrying. And I'm like, well, at least I'm not going outside anyway. But oh. still. It did snow in Connecticut last week, so don't feel bad. We had snow too. It's the the earth is stupid drunk right now. <laughs> so tell us what conditions are like. What's your life been like? since the COVID-19 quarantine and all that stuff. Tell us about you. Um, well, it, uh, it's been a little difficult without baseball to talk about. Um, also, uh, my primary job is as a sports editor. So I also don't have sports to really write about and edit. So it's, it's been a lot of like figuring out what I can actually do at work, what I can actually talk about, um, on the podcast and uh, basically trying to get masks to fit on my face. That's That's been the bulk of it. Um, and Animal Crossing, of course, because everyone's playing Animal Crossing. <laughs> I have yet to get in the groove of Animal Crossing. I mean, something tells me I'm missing out on something. I need to, I need to consider this. It it's a lovely, you know, bit of stress relief. You can just sit and fish or harvest coconuts, whatever you want to do. It's it's, it's a moment of zen. Is how I like to describe it. So, definitely worthwhile, Carly, if you feel you need that in your life. Hey, I need all the diversions I can get in my life. After all, I work with Dawn. <laughs> <laughs> She meant to say she works for me, but that's okay. Um, we, that might, we might revisit that later. Um, <laughs> okay, no. okay, Dawn, don't do that to me now. What little, I what little I know about Nova Scotia, I know from my late wife, who used to be a reporter. She actually covered a G7 summit at Peggy's Cove. Yeah, very familiar about Peggy's with Peggy's Cove. Cove. It's, it's, she said it was the most beautiful place on earth. It's a tourist trap. Oh. <laughs> it's it's one lighthouse that looks really pretty and overlooks some rocks that stupid people step on and fall into the ocean and the the surrounding area is just built for that lighthouse and is incredibly overpriced on its souvenirs but it is beautiful it is a beautiful sight just don't get drawn into the surrounding detritus around it and you'll have a much better time than if you bought like a $50 $50 t-shirt. Yeah, that's I have cool. one. <laughs> I've been there to you go. Cove and I saw the $50 t-shirt and I'm thinking like, wow, that's like typical Maritimes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, we don't, we don't get a lot, but what we got, we, we work it pretty hard. For you. Hey, hey, I like the Maritimes. Hey, wait a minute. Don't take that as a slam. I enjoy, I've been to Halifax. I've driven to Halifax. That's a drive. I mean, I love, I love Halifax, love Fredericton. It's great up there. One of my favorite bands is from Newfoundland, Great Big Sea. Are you familiar with them? I have seen them a few times, yes. 
they're really cool. But tell me about baseball. Yeah. Um, what is it you do when you're when you're actually in the world? Um, for baseball, well, I uh, I am a blogger at jaysrunacouch.com. It's an independent Blue Jays site that started up in 2016. Um, helmed by former members of the Jays Journal site that Fansite it owns, and um, I've I've written there. Um, basically, most of my quote unquote professional blogging career, um, and then in 2018, I was hired to do the Locked On Blue Jays podcast as part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's usually a daily show, but obviously right now, a little uh, bit of a schedule break in between with the lack of baseball. <laughs> so um, it's thrice weekly. Uh, but yeah, I've been doing that for just over two years now. So I like to think I'm a podcast pro at this point, but i that is my own inflated self-opinion. Well, here's the test. The test is, can you hear me right now? I can. And I can hear you. So you're a podcast professional. Excellent. (laughs) I I don't even have my studio right now because my, my, uh, I had a desk all set up uh, where I do all my recordings. And then once this whole work from home thing started, my roommate absconded with my desk. So now <gasps> I have to do it like Carly did in the old days and just basically hold my microphone to oh my, my face. Goodness. Oh my and goodness. Then, I hope this yeah. roommate is going to return your equipment. That's terrible. Yeah, that's yeah. terrible. Hey, hey, roommate, return the equipment. Put a mask on. Yeah, don't forget, put your mask on, keep social distancing, but return the, but return the desk, eh? <laughs> hey, hey. So um let's let's talk about where you think baseball is right now. First of all, I'd like your opinion about this potential deal for the expos, <laughs> the Tampa Bay Rays to return to Montreal. What would you think about that? I mean, can it can I don't know how MLB can look at the Tampa area and just think, you know what? This is going well. I mean, <laughs> they have a team that's that's good that, you know, is in the was in the playoffs last year as a wild card, has built a somehow sustainable system to repeatedly compete in a division where the Yankees are back to spending all of the money. And no one's going. Because they absolutely refuse to replace that dilapidated dome that they play in, which you you can talk to any AL East fan. Tropicana Field is a dump. Absolutely. It's, so, um, yeah, I don't know how much longer they can look at that and think this is a tenable situation. I mean, MLS bailed on Florida years ago, just returned this year with with uh inter miami and mlb would honestly be be well served to do the same and move it to a market that has proven it will support exhibition baseball come out thirty thousand people for a pair of blue jays games you, even if only half of those people showed up for the revamped expos that's still five thousand people better than tampa bay so i 
I don't know how they can look at that and think it makes financial sense to keep that team in Tampa Bay. I know there are leases and stuff that are keeping the team in Florida for now, but the second those leases expire, they have to be like, yeah, this is done. We failed. Good try. Good job. Good effort. We're out of here. That would be interesting. Moving, moving, the, moving back to Montreal. I don't see that happening. Everyone well, don't, I don't see that. I don't. Montreal is having a hard time keeping the Canadians to stay in Montreal right now. <laughs> well, it's, it's not, it's not far off Carly. Cause, um, if they do that, what they would probably also look at doing at the same time is looking more towards expansion because this whole 30 team, 15 in each side, it it's wonky. Like, like you have interleague series like every day. And like before when they introduced interleague, it was interesting because it's like, oh, the, the Reds get to play Cleveland. That's that's so interesting. And now it's just like, oh, the Royals are taking on the Nationals. Big rivalry. I want to watch that. Like it, it's devalued it so much. That, so by expanding the 32, they get 16 teams in each. They don't have to play interleague until they're ready. And then like if Tampa Bay doesn't move to Montreal, Montreal is going to be at the front runner for an expansion team at least. So Montreal would be there. And then I, I, I've, I've actually tossed up who would be next, and my money's on Nashville getting a team, but that that obviously would be, remain to be seen. Vegas would be attractive. I've heard Portland and San Antonio, but I think Personally, Nashville would be the best bet for that. Personally, ESPN, like, yeah. No, what are you saying? ESPN was saying what exactly? ESPN's baseball writer Christina Carl was our guest previously, and she talked uh, at length about this expansion program. This was before the coronavirus, of course, and they were talking about uh, a change in the season length, a change in the playoff schedule, and expansion teams. I'd love to see a team in Portland or Nashville or San Antonio. I think that'd be interesting, and I'd even welcome a team back to Montreal because I think there is an interest. The problem is, I think, that baseball forgets that the best seat right now and we've all learned this during the coronavirus, is in your house. You can watch it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay a fortune for a hot dog. And if you want peanuts, you just got to go to the kitchen. Um, it's it's going to be a game changer in terms of when baseball returns, people may not be wanting to sit next to strangers and spend a fortune bringing a family of four to a game. I really wonder if the coronavirus is going to have a bigger impact on baseball attendance after we're given the all clear. I, I think it's going to be anyway, just because like living living in this new reality has already changed perceptions and, and how we view other people and interactions with other people. So it is going to take a while once they get the all clear to actually have fans in games. Because when baseball comes back, there's not going to be fans. Like for the it will be empty seats for the rest of the year. But I I do I do think that and MLB will have to adjust to be able to to try and adapt to a situation where they're not getting uh, money through the turnstiles. Instead, they're going to have to get their money through um, their TV contracts and their online actions. And sadly, it seems like they don't want to do that because one of the one of the main things uh, I talked about before the coronavirus outbreak was how the Blue Jays essentially decided, hey. All of Canada is 
our blackout range. So they need the Sportsnet Now app to be able to watch the Blue Jays on the go or they're blacked out, which, you know, blackouts make a little more sense in like Los Angeles or something when, you know, it's it's in the city limits. But I'm I'm like a thousand kilometers away from Toronto. If I was if you wanted me to drive to see a game, it would take me a day to drive to see said game. It makes no sense for me to be blacked out because there is no way you're getting my money in person. So baseball does need to adjust its thinking in in trying to deal with a fan base that you know is going to look at a, a $20 ticket for a for a fifth level seat, a $13 cider which I mean come on no cider was worth $13. And then, you know, a $15 plate of fries. And they they have to wonder, especially with the with the recession going on, how they're going to actually convince people that it's a good idea to spend all that money. Because lately, it it's not looking like it. As a person who grew up in a who grew up loving a regional franchise, I agree with you on a lot of what you're talking about because back when I was a little kid, that's exactly what the Royals did. They they, they uh, kept the prices down, got you to got you to take that three or four hour car ride to go see a game, kept the prices down. And also you could buy the tickets in town. That was the beauty of it. You could buy tickets there and you didn't have it. And that was back before internet connections. And now now they've made it so that these teams are so localized and so centralized because they're trying to squeeze every dollar that they can out of you. I agree with you on the on that view completely. I'm I'm glad you agree with me on that, Carly, because the second you said Royals fans, all I thought of was that stupid Amish kid who who basically gave y'all that twenty fifteen ALCS and I'm just like oh, oh my okay, heat. That should AJ, not have been a home run. AJ, do me a big favor. Don't become a St. Louis Cardinal right now. <laughs> I have had to, I hear that from I have heard that from St. Louis Cardinals fans for all for, for over 30 years now. Oh, you guys only won because of rah, 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 rah. 2015, hey. 2015. We got two got two World Series. We got two. You could you couldn't let Jose Bautista have one. Oh, oh, stop it. Oh, come on. Come on, Blue Jays. Let me see. Come on. Wait a minute. You got Joe Carter. You have lost the, you've lost the right to whine. When but we wanted a, Joey to get one. We like Joey. But you have an all-time World Series moment. An all-time World Series moment is in the Blue Jays franchise. Yeah, but I was and, five. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. I was five and living in the middle of nowhere. I couldn't really enjoy it in the time. Tell me about this distance you're talking about. A thousand kilometers. I keep forgetting Canada's in the metric system. So all of Canada <laughs> is blacked out when the Blue Jays play? That is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And it was clearly a cash grab by Rogers, which is one of the two major media companies up here and which owns the Blue Jays. And it was clearly designed to just get people to download their paid Sportsnet Now app. And a lot of people are like, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah. What what about the Blue Jays in terms of their LGBT connection? Do they hold a Pride Night? Um, they do, and they have come. Uh, they they have done better um, since 
um, probably their most notable uh, incidents when it came to LGBTQ relations. They had a couple players who expressed themselves on the field in very negative ways. Um, Yunel Escobar, who was a shortstop for them in like 2012, uh, put a slur on his eye black and then pretty much got got knocked out. And then in 2017, there was Kevin Pilar, who used the slur towards a St. Louis Cardinals pitcher um, while on the field, and he had to be able to atone for that. And I, I actually can hold Kevin Pilar up as someone who has shown growth from from that kind of incident and the and the franchise has done it as well i um i i do have one of the pride hats that actually got uh given out last year through their sponsorship with td good people at td um but they they have shown an a a willingness to embrace the community which obviously very important in these days where, you know, you have so many people going against the community. And for the most part, like when, when I came out, I was, I was worried how I was going to be perceived in like the Blue Jays fandom. And so far the result of that has been minimal. Like I've, I've rarely encountered someone who's like, Oh, well, I can't follow you because, you know, because of who you are, even though I liked you because of the Blue Jays. I've had like two people who actively have told me they're not going to follow me because of who I am. But for the most part, the fan base has been incredibly accepting and it's something I'm very grateful for. And I'm glad the team is starting to show some trends in, in you know, bringing members of the LGBTQ community in because that that is one of the ways that you know it's going to survive is by embracing the modern society as opposed to trying to stick in in its old traditional ways as its fan base slowly dies out. That was very brave of you. For those who don't know like me, how do you identify AJ? I am a transgender woman. Um and I am also a lesbian, so I I do I do tick multiple boxes on on the uh, rainbow flag. Did you have any reflection on those idiots who felt like they should not follow you just because of who you are? Mm-hmm. Well, I uh, I highly doubt Kathy is listening. But Kathy, if you still want to defend Kurt Schilling for what he said, I mean, I I obviously can't stop you, but I'd really think about it. Just. You know, is he is he really the guy you wanna you wanna lay your life down for? Just, there seems to be so many better options than freaking Kurt Schilling. But um no, nah, like I said, there there's a there's a section of every fan base that's gonna be hostile to things it fears and things it has no control over. And luckily they are in the minority at least for the most part in the Blue Jays fandom. And I have a lot of fans who are willing to, you know, stand up with me and say, we're not going to tolerate that. And I think for the most part, it's, it's a very welcoming community, which I'm 
again, very thankful for. I am reminded of something you wrote on your letter that you wrote when you came out. And I might add that letter put me in tears when I read it the day you, the day you came out with it. It says the final re- the that that's the final reason I've come out now. I'm tired of watching other transgender writers I follow on Twitter take the brunt of the punishment from trolls that know nothing other than hate and fear. Almost hmm. one almost one year later, rate your feelings on that sentence hearing that with some difference. Well, I um I I have gotten more active in in trying to call out you know, the intolerance I see. And like, even yesterday, I had an incident on Twitter where uh, another transgender friend of mine was in a conversation with someone who then decided to block her and anyone who followed her. And, you know, it's, you, you can, you can think you're blocking people off, but screenshots last forever. People are going to get the receipts. And I tweeted, like, you can't really do that. You can't do this hit-and-run harassment kind of thing. And then they decided to gaslight me, saying I was harassing them by going around their block filter. And it it just it just shows you the kind of tactics there that people like that are going to use and, and that are prevalent in systems that don't really have checks for this sort of thing. And allow for for that kind of harassment and and obviously the lgb community and you, i think i think people here know what community i'm referring to with that got on on me pretty quickly including one person who specifically said i'm not blocking your the blue jays followers but any transgender followers getting blocked and like this this kind of of bigotry is so unhelpful, and Wait so minute, AJ, am I hearing that right? That's yeah, the... yeah. It it literally happened last night. My first question is: If you all like the Jays, what do you care? I mean, why is this guy exactly? Exactly. Well, he's an ex-cop, so let's if if that's if that's anything to go off of. And well, there are there are police officers who are in the LGBT community, and yeah, I know I, that I know that the the, the the reaction to police in our community, the LGBT community, is generally negative. But you know, I don't want to just like I don't want to have have everybody who's trans uh, covered with the same paint of brush. Um, I I think that you know we should be careful about that. That, but I I respect your yeah. view. I respect your no, view. no. I, I think I, for the most part we are we are definitely targeted um, I, by those folks. I, I well, yeah. I only say that because in the profile, uh, he said he was gay and a cop for thirty years. I'm like, you should know better than anyone else. Then Agreed. the kind of discrimination, and you are perpetuating that with your hate. And I, I don't understand it. I don't understand how someone can be like that. Well, I can tell you this much. First off, first off, you know what? Trans check, woman, woman check, lesbian check. American League fan check. We got four for four going here, AJ. <laughs> but, what I, but what I really want to know about is, I want to go back to Sunday night. It sounds like Bichette happened again in the, in the <laughs> Blue Jays simulated 5-1 win over the Orioles Sunday night. First, talk about 
talk about what the Jays are doing in your season simulation, kind of how the whole shape of, of AJ Andrews simulated base of the MLB simulated is going and what gave you the idea to decide to do this? Not only just do it, but do it day to day. <laughs> sure. Um, so I, I've been a fan of like these, the management kind of Sims for a while. I used to play football manager a lot when I was in university and I knew that there was a baseball version called out of the park and I didn't really have the time to play around with it before, but obviously in this day and age, you kind of needed something. So I bought the game, paid paid full price, and figured like if there's no games going on, I would just at least be able to to get give something, some kind of uh, distraction from what's going on and provide some form of baseball. And I, I've gotten a lot of good responses on that from fans. Just like, I appreciate you actually putting something out there that, that we can look at. And um, I've talked with, uh, I've talked with other people who are doing this. The most prominent is probably Mike Wilner, who is the play-by-play man for the Blue Jays on Sportsnet radio. He's doing it with dice, which that's a whole lot. Le- oh, that's a whole other level. I can't really, really step to but what it's allowed me to do is is kind of you know use the entire organization at my disposal and and try and work it so I could offer some sort of realistic projection of what the Blue Jays would have done this year because 2020 was going to be one of those years where where it would either go really well or it would be another very long disappointing season and so far, the Blue Jays are are about playing where we expected. They're they're fourteen and fourteen heading into the series opener tonight in Toronto against Boston. And the the frustrating thing is, as as the person who's like controlling things, I know they could be so much better right now. But the the bats are just not cooperating. And then I've had a a couple really bad starting pitching turns. So. It's it's like you're trying to hit all these different levers, and and trying to keep everything, you know, at the point where you can you can just steamroll a team, and then you go lose two of three to the Orioles. And I I gotta tell you, that that hurt, that hurt me deep, losing losing a series to the Orioles like that. I mean they, it. I um when I was talking with Wilner about this, he was he was surprised how into it I was getting. But again, you, you get so invested in this team, you can't help but but think like, well, if if maybe maybe if I swap Rowdy Telez and Travis Shaw in the lineup, or maybe I, I, I let Trent Thornton go on, on an extra day or or whatever, just trying to hit the right button. It it's actually very fraught and I, I probably will be writing about my experiences with this um, just one month in, but it's <laughs> it's it's a whole different experience, especially when you're when you can't just go MLB the show and just simulate for like you know months at a time. You're you're waiting every day for that one bit of of joy, and then Chase Anderson goes out and gives up ten runs to Minnesota, and you're like, "This is what I waited for." Thank you, Chase. Thank you for making this all worthwhile. 
Well, that sound you hear right now means we have to take a break. We'll be back with AJ Andrews in the transporter room after this. So if I understand this right, you're actually man, you're actually making the 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 inning to inning, play to play decisions in these games too. So in effect, you're the Blue Jays manager. If, if I understand this right, yeah, I I am taking the role of Charlie Montoyo. I'm I'm taking the role of Ross Atkins as well. So I've been I've been doing like the the transactions and stuff, and that's that's been one way that I've tried to keep the fans involved is, is to go to them and, you know, ask like, Hey, who do you want to sign? Do you, do you want to claim this guy on waivers? One person wanted Tim Tebow and I'm like, well, let's put that to a vote. And thankfully the Blue Jays fans and their infinite wisdom said, no, we do not need Tim Tebow. So Tim Tebow is not on the team, but it's resulted in a couple moves that, you know, I think the major league club should look at potentially. Um, Danny Salazar, the former Cleveland starter, has worked out very well in the bullpen. So if if they're thinking about moves, that might be one to pursue, uh, Ross Atkins. Well, I can tell you what, next Blue Jays Royal, I want to show up and ask for Tim Tebow. The Argonauts could be... <laughs> they could. They could. If he, if he finally gives up on baseball. I'm sure Toronto would be in on him. I was a guest um, before the coronavirus era began on our resident baseball expert, Ken Schultz's podcast. It's called Three Strikes, You're Out. And he described mm-hmm. for me this out-of-body experience he had watching his Cubs finally win the World Series. It, it, it was as if he had um, been born and died and born again. It was just incredible hearing how his um, emotions went wild and how he was just an out-of-body experience. Have you had experience like that in real baseball or in sim baseball in terms of how deeply the sport affects you? Hmm. I, I think baseball is the sport that really has the ability to give that to you. Just, just the way it actually works and and that kind of anticipation between at bats um like last year i got to one blue jays game i i went late in the year i stayed with a friend of mine and went to one of the blue jays games against the yankees and it turned out to be an extra inning game that um bo bichette actually hit a walk off home run in the 12th inning to end it and by that point, like all the friends that I that I met up with, they they had moved on. They had work the next day. They had to go do things. But just seeing that and and being caught up in seeing that ball just kind of hang, like like you're you're just kind of willing it yourself to go over the fence and and ju- it just edged over, and that whole moment is is just one of um, almost vindication when you see it and and you just lose yourself in in seeing that that moment come to fruition and admittedly that is that is probably your selling point if you still want to get try and get people into the stadium is is being able to sell that moment live because i i've seen the walk-off hits at home and and it is very different seeing it live as opposed to seeing it on the tv like 
if I see it on the TV, then I'm on Twitter instantly. I'm like, ah! But being in the moment like that is so much easier to lose yourself and and have that kind of experience. Um, so the Bichette home run is probably the big one. Um, Joey Bats' bad flip against Texas in 2015. Obviously, another one just just because the Rangers... I don't know how we got here, but the Rangers are enemies. Like, but it, uh, yeah, it it's really easy to deliver that with baseball. I, I think in a way that's underappreciated. Your f- favorite Jays player all time? Who would it be? That would be Roy Halladay. I I named my Animal Crossing island after him, and. Um, like I said, I was I was very young when the Blue Jays won their World Series. Too young to be able to properly enjoy it. So a lot of my time growing up with the Blue Jays, um, I was there for like Carlos Delgado when he was the main star, um, just bopping home runs at first base. But the real big superstar that I had growing up with the Blue Jays was Roy Halladay and, and watching him just go out day after day and knowing like, okay, Toronto has a chance to win because Roy Halladay's on the mound. And like, like watching him go out there every day and just like be able to baffle people for a team that did not deserve him. Toronto was so bloody mediocre in the two thousands, but like that, that kind of imprint, like, like it just stuck with me, and and um, when uh, when he tragically passed away, I ended up writing the holiday article for the Chase from the Couch book that came out that year, and I I struggled with it, just trying to re- reconcile my emotions with with losing this guy who who was such a big part of my childhood and was such a such such a force to get me into baseball and um it it just kind of sticks with you and i uh i'm i'm sad that he doesn't get to impart the wisdom that he learned from a career where he struggled really hard early and was able to build himself up into one of the most feared pitchers in baseball i'm i'm sad that he doesn't get to impart that knowledge on on future generations of baseball players, but I I am happy for the impact that he had in just going out there and like being being that rock that the Blue Jays needed in that time to kind of get them through the uh, some very very bad seasons. Did you ever get any kind of um, uh, negative response to you being trans and playing uh, in uh, sports in terms of well? She's a man, that kind of thing. Well, I I kind of took an extended break from sports. I, I played baseball until I was 13. And then my mom's like, I'm not going to watch you strike out 80% of the time. And that was the end of baseball for a bit. Um, and then I slowly started getting back into sports, basically when I came out. And, and thankfully... Um, there is a softball league in Halifax that is exclusively for um, LGBTQ people and allies. So I knew it was a safe space to enter. Um, 
and it turned out to be, you know, exactly what I needed. And in those kind of wobbly legged days after going public with everything and, and just having that kind of safe space to, to play sports and, and just kind of lose myself in the game. Um, <laughs> just, I, I did hit a home run in softball last Woo! year. It's the first, Woo! first time I hit a home run and I was the only woman in my league to do it. Nice. Um, and it was on my last at bat of the season. So sadly, of course, the season so far has fallen victim to the coronavirus, but I can't wait to get back out on the field. How old that are you sense. now? And, and how old were you when you came out? Uh, I'm 31. I came out last year when I was 30, but I knew I was trans when I was like 23. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Um, so I, I, do, I do talk about this a bit in the article. Um, that Carly mentioned when I when I put that out, but um, one of my first real introductions to transgender people was the story of Christine Daniels, who was the sports writer for the LA Times, who came out in 2007. And I remember uh, reading Rick Riley's piece about about her, and and it just kind of stuck with me. And then then of course, tragically, um, she ended up taking her own life, but. Um, that, that whole thing just kind of stuck with me. And like, when I realized I was transgender, um, I didn't think I was in a position to do anything with it anyway. I mean, I was 24, I was about to graduate university with a ton of debt. I didn't have a job, didn't have a place to live. It was going to be like, I don't know if I could really do it now. Um, and then as I started looking more towards sports journalism as a career, thinking about Christine's story, just stuck in my head and was like, well, if I, if I do this, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to have a shot at it. So maybe I should just try and, and break in as a man. And then I can just make that transition. But eventually I got to the point where just like, I cannot wait anymore. Like I, I have to do this. And, and if I, if I advance with it, so be it. But if, if not, then, then whatever. So I started working on that coming out piece in March and refined it over over a couple of days and ended up releasing it on June 18th. And then I I published it and then I had to go work in my day job. So I had no idea what kind of response I was going to get until I checked like on my lunch break and I kind of broke down in the office just like all the support and all the all, all the best wishes and, and, and all that, like from across the sports spectrum was amazing. And it almost gave me some regret. It was like, shoot, I could have done this so much longer ago, but just, just seeing, seeing all that when it did happen, just kind of, kind of bolstered me and, and, you know, confirm, confirm that it was, it was time and I had to do it. So what made you decide after that to okay? I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep blogging. Mm. Was that even a de- was that even a debate with you? Um, it wasn't. Um, admittedly, I've been podcasting a lot more than blogging since then. Um, but this time, um, this this pandemic has allowed me to try and recharge my writing batteries, so to speak. Um, but I knew I was going to keep writing. I mean, it, it was what people primarily knew me for. 
in the Blue Jays community. That that and you know being on Twitter a lot. So I never I never thought I was going to stop writing, but um, some some of the mental things got in the way, and I just I I did not have the energy to do it. Um, I uh, I did end a relationship when I came out, so that that played on me a little bit and I've still been struggling to try and try and get past that and get like like even the focus to be able to sit down and be like I'm gonna write 1,000 words right now and it it is something that you know you, you have to readjust to when when you make a change like that and admittedly I've not done the best of it but I think I'm I'm getting closer to being able to be at the point where when I have actual content to talk about, um, I'll be able to do a lot more writing then than I was doing like over the winter. And in that immediate time when I was still kind of adjusting to how I was presenting myself to the world. Oh, no matter no matter what age it is, it happens. It's just an amazing experience. And one of the things I've learned is that um, coming out doesn't just happen once. You're coming out almost every day sometimes to people. And other days, it's just being. It's just about living your truth and not having to worry about coming out. Um, it's an interesting combination where, you know, ah, I wish I could have undone what I did and, and come out much younger. I was 49. But at the same time, yeah. I, I loved I, I became a dad. I lived uh, a very privileged life thanks to my male privilege. There are many things that happened that I'm not regret regretting at all, um, having waited. But it, it is interesting. Um, I often say that um, being trans is like the sixth most interesting thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd like to ask I, you about um, your, your, your own experience. Where does trans fit in that list of things that are interesting about AJ. See, I'm probably not the best judge of myself, <laughs> but um, I know, right? I I don't know exactly where I rank like like in in terms of like who when people think of AJ who they think of. I think for a lot of people um after they're done thinking about the LSU softball player, um, they, I'd like to think they think of me as a Blue Jays uh, personality first, and then probably as a transgender woman second, and then as someone who won't shut up about Pokemon Go third. And I, I know that's probably going to be how I'm identified in general, just because, um, as I said in the article, it's you, you want to be known as a sports podcaster who happens to be transgender as opposed to that transgender sports podcaster. And it, it can be a very difficult line to walk on. And I am thankful, again, for the Blue Jays community where I believe they just think of me as a woman who's talking about the Blue Jays first and then as a transgender woman second. And, and that does kind of help that. But I know as I've gotten more comfortable in my life now, I, 
I I guess I haven't really cared what order I I present them in. I just am am me essentially, and I I'm thankful that a lot of people seem to like that and and like that perspective, but. You know, at the same time, I'm very aware of who I am and how other people who don't share that perspective are going to perceive me. And I, I try to adjust as as needed in those situations. But it's it's a very interesting uh, balancing act, essentially, to keep walking along. When you were a student at Centennial College, you had the opportunity to cover a world-class sporting event. You covered the Paralympics in Rio in 16. One, what was that like? And two, what's your dream job in this business? <laughs> um, all right, I can talk about the the Paralympics first because that that was amazing. That I I I'd been outside of Canada and the US like once before. And that was to go to the Dominican Republic on like a vacation. So going to Brazil was an amazing experience. Just kind of like show me just how far I could actually go. And and getting to talk to all those world-class athletes that were there, I I got to write some amazing stories about um about cyclists, about swimmers, and I to be able to talk to people who Again, I would never have had the chance to talk to in in Halifax just because, again, it it as stated, it takes a while to drive here, so you don't get a lot. But um, being able to experience that, being being so far out of my normal culture, was was such a rewarding experience and and something that you know I will I will always remember. Um. No, no matter what frame it gets put in. Um, as for what I'd, I'd like to do, um, I I would love to be paid to talk about the Blue Jays basically all the time. So, you know, Sportsnet, TSN, if you're listening, you got a girl who can, can basically go on about the Blue Jays as long as you want. Um, but yeah, just, just being able to to have those discussions about about something I'm truly passionate about that that would be the goal for me to get in a position where where people want to hear me and want to pay me to do so and just just allow me to to you know you know do what I think I do best which is talk about sports from from a perspective that I don't know if people are getting and and be able to to throw some interesting thoughts out. Do you like uh, science fiction at all, or fantasy? I'm aware. I'm I'm aware of them. I've dabbled. Well, we call our show the Transporter Room because Hurley and I are Star Trek nerds. We love sci-fi and fantasy and all those different things. We always ask every guest that we have. Um, unless they absolutely abhor science fiction, then we don't ask them at all. We just say, thank you, goodbye. But if there's, <laughs> if there's some kind of um, either book or movie or, or TV show that you're binging on or, or, or enjoying that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of basic. Um, <laughs> I've, 
I I've been watching um like Brooklyn Nine Nine's got its new season out. Um, I've been watching The Last Dance, the the Bulls documentary. So I I think most of the internet is on that. So I'm I'm not sure how um how off the beaten path my uh, my recommendations are. Um, I'm I'm pretty sure if. Uh, most people who are watching this know about dispatches from elsewhere, so um, that's definitely worth checking out. So definitely do that. Um, yeah, again, I'm I'm so sorry. I I'm not. Don't uh, be sorry. Don't be sorry. <laughs> don't be because I'm Canadian. I have to apologize. No, I'm actually liking dispatches from elsewhere. <laughs> I'm I am I've gotten into that and that's actually really at first I was like eh, I'm not sure about this that's like no this is not bad yeah. I kind of slept on that and have to play catch up I'm just wondering okay then here's what I do want to ask favorite favorite TV series that you have that is based in Canada produced in Canada and broadcasted in Canada probably Kim's Convenience and I I know everyone else is going to say Shit's Creek but I, I prefer Kim's Convenience. And Kim's Convenience I, is the bomb. I'm I'm gonna say that now. It is the bomb. I I happen to know that the lead actor is a huge Blue Jays fan, so got that going. Um, but but yeah, um, I uh, I when I when I was living in Toronto, um, that was actually when they started. So I actually have seen the convenience store that serves as the main front for uh for their acting and then um i uh it it's actually a very very welcome portrayal of asian culture my my sister-in-law is an immigrant from south korea and she she's been big upping that show since it came out just just glowing about how 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 it offers a a vision of asian culture that that is authentic and yeah, it's it's definitely worth it. If you're if you're down about Shit's Creek being over, check out Kim's Convenience instead. It's great, and it's Blue Jays approved. Well, I'll say it. I've never seen Shit's Creek. Uh, I will. I'm one of the few that. Hasn't oh, you're missing a great show. And it's I'm a, a great show. I'm glad to check out. But no, being a person who watch it, I I will fully admit to two things. Watch one. I watch Canadian television. And two, I get it in my cable. I get the CBC on my cable system. So <laughs> there you I will go. Fully, I will full. I will fully admit it. I watch the national every night. That's how <laughs> bad I. <laughs> Some of my favorite shows are filmed. I guess you still use the word film in Vancouver, and mm-hmm. one of my bucket list cities is definitely Vancouver. I've wanted. To, I've always wanted to go. Um, I may not like snow, but I do love the idea of touring Canada someday. So have my passport. When it's all clear, I'll have to make a visit up and you can show me well which tourist spots to avoid in, in Peggy's Cove. Don, Don, I'll tell you, Don, I'm gonna give you one word as far as Vancouver. You'll fall in love in snow after this one word, whistler. I mm. loved skiing whistler. Even oh, though it's pre- even though it's prohibitively expensive. It's beautiful yeah. being there. There yeah. are two things I can't um, do: spend money or 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 ski. Yes, I um <laughs> I haven't actually got I haven't actually been to Vancouver. I uh, furthest west I've gotten is Edmonton. So 
I, I will have to get out there at some point. I have friends out there who are like, yeah, come and stay on the couch. And I'm like, well, that's probably the cheapest option. So eventually I will get out there. But Well, well um, I'm going to say one thing right now. You and, you and I have got to meet in person at some point. I would love that. I would love that so much. That, yeah, you, since... you haven't really had the Carly uh, Chardonnay web experience until oh. you've met her in person. <laughs> no, well, one thing, well, one thing is like, no, also I played so, uh, after years of not having a chance to really play. After I came out, one of the first things that I had the opportunity to do was actually play on the team. Was play, I played softball for the first time in maybe 20 years. And it was in a league similar to the one you play in up there. And it was uh-huh. the most beautiful most affirming thing ever to be a, to be a part of that. Not only to be on a team where you're accepting love, but also be on the team where there are other trans people on the team. Mm. And that was, I mean, it was the coolest thing in the world to be playing your community. So no, I, no, I feel that. Yeah. It was like, I, if, if anyone can uh, find one of those leagues is definitely worth, worth it. Like I, uh, I just spared last year. So I basically paid, five dollars a game and if you can if you can find an option like that it is definitely worth checking out just just like you said just to have that kind of kind of experience and and have that kind of affirming action it was so huge like when i was when i was first stepping out into the world publicly as myself so i will 100 percent back carly on that i am so glad you took time to join us to tell us your stories, to share in our love of baseball. Thank you, AJ. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Anytime you want to beam me back up here, I I will be happy to uh, come aboard and do this again. Hopefully, when there's baseball to talk about. Oh, that, that's let's make that a date when when yeah, baseball we'll returns in whatever form it is. You are back in the transporter room. Definitely awesome. I I am brushing up on my Korean our Korea baseball organization rosters. So if, if all we have is KBO, I will be able to talk about it. Well, right now, all we have is, is professional baseball from Taiwan. It's the only league in the world that's really, that's functioning at the moment. Former, former Blue Jay Esmeel Rogers is currently on one of those Taiwanese teams. So. Interesting. Wow. Okay. Didn't know that. We learn something every day. I, I, I only know that because the Orioles started him against me in the simulation and he won <laughs> and I was super ticked off. I'm like... <laughs> By the way, who's starting, who's starting tonight? There's a game tonight. Who's starting tonight? There is the season opener, or series opener, sorry, uh, against Boston. We'll see Trent Thornton on the mound against Colin McHugh, who has struggled since coming off the DL. So... Check it out on my Twitter feed. I will be posting those updates, and hopefully the Blue Jays can hit tonight. And we'll make sure we include all your social media in our Facebook page, The Transporter Room. Follow us on Twitter. We're there. Thanks, AJ. Setting coordinates. Beamer away. Head back. Ah, oh, it's still snowing. AJ. Why? <laughs> Fortunately, the beam works through snow. <laughs> She's a great guest. I'm so glad we got to meet her. Um, how did you um, how did you find AJ? Tell me that story. Actually, I have followed I followed AJ since be, since before the come out letter came out. Wow. Because I mean, I just I was just looking, it was like it was around when I was looking around Twitter. 
And I was like, okay, this person's got some good takes. You know, I like, I like reading people who have good take, not hot takes, but good takes. It's like, no, this person's got, this person's interesting to read. And then I found out, okay, we're both trans. We're both, we're, we're both trans. We both like sports. This is cool. And then when I read the, then when I read that, read the letter about the, her coming out, I mean, I was like, wow. Then I was like, def- I sent her a note saying, hey, hey, congr- hey, congratulations. It's cool that you're getting that. Not only are you coming out as yourself, but I told her, I wish I could, I wish I could have had that opportunity to find that out at that age. But I'm still very much in the business, even though I'm back in it now. But that's how I found. And I just kind of kept up. And then when we went, looks like we need a guest. And she was doing the simulation thing. I've been reading the simulation every day since since the opening day of the season. I was a little bit perturbed that my Royals got swept by the Jays, <laughs> but <laughs> but no, we needed a guest. I was like, this would be a good guest to bring on. And also, but first, I went to Schultz, like you had asked, and and offered it, but Schultz hadn't done anything with it, so I was like, all right. Let's get her. Cool. You know, um, I'd like to see an article about uh, the Simulation League maybe sometime. You know what? I'll work, I'll work on that. That sounds good. I'll work on that. Also, the n- next week's show is going to be good, too. Tell us all about it. Tell our listeners. Um, well, next week, we're going to bring in Julie Woodbury. Now, Julie Woodbury's former college ba- was a former college basketball player in Maine who, who after – after years of, you know, of work, life, career, transition, got back into basketball in her 50s. Plays with a group called the Southern, called the, called the Maine Senior Women's Basketball Team. Now, this is a group of women who are all over 50, can still ball, can still bring it. And a couple of years ago, they won a national championship. And they won a USA Basketball 3-on-3 national championship in their aid group, where they're basically just, you know, homemakers, housewives, business people, just average everyday people, but they get together, they play some ball and they beat people who have like former WNBA and college division one pedigrees. Granted it's a few years down because they're in the 50 over age group, but this is just a group of people who citizens playing sports and getting out there and killing it. And she, her story is very interesting. It shows what happens when you have inclusion and accepted acceptance on a ball field how affirming it can be not just for that one person but for everyone in the community and she's got a teammate that we're trying to get on with her that has some very pointed things to say about all these people who all of a sudden want to ride, ride down on trans kids in this country so be some interesting things to hear and i think it'll be a great guest and a great show i'm sure of it can't wait great talking to you carly set coordinates now for next week and beyond and stay safe and be healthy carly you too don study as you go